If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. All right, thanks, Scott Shannon, and thanks to all of you. Our toll-free number is 800-941-SEAN if you want to be a part of the program. You know, I, I'm, some of you are involved in this little pity party, you know, you know, state of mind, you need to snap out of it. You really need to snap out of it. And I'm, and I'm serious. You've got to understand there is an ebb. There is a flow to election cycles. Sometimes there's no reason why, wherefore. But in this case, I think there's, there's going to be a lot of lessons to be learned and a review that will take place. And I think some, some changes need to be made and they will be made. I mean, you know, I was thinking about this today. Linda, think about this. I started my radio career in 1987. Ronald Reagan was president. You weren't even born yet, were you? That's correct. What year were you born? <laughs> what did I tell you about asking ladies their age? You've got a real problem with this. So I do not have a problem with this. It's just that it's good fun watching you bubble and fizz mm-hmm. like Alka-Seltzer in water. That's right. So Reagan was president when I got into radio. And by the way, there were people, that radio station I started at, they hated my guts because I like Ronald Reagan. Oh, my gosh. Um, went through one term of Bush 41. And then in 92 was the election of, of Bill Clinton. I had just finished a stint in Huntsville, Alabama, and in October of 92. And I left in October of 96 uh, in Atlanta. I had four great years there. By the way, when I left Alabama, the local paper editorialized goodbye to the talk show host from hell. When I left Atlanta, they had a year-end edition in 1996. Uh, 1996 was a good good year for two reasons. The Olympics came and Hannity left. That makes, should I have a complex over that? I don't know. Maybe it's a badge of honor. Uh, But anyway, so, you know, then there's the election of Bill Clinton in, in what, 92, and he's president to 2000. But in the interim there, I'm in Georgia and I'm the MC on the night of 1994. Republicans have been out of power. Imagine this out of the House. They did not have control of the House of Representatives for 40 long years. That's like 40 years in the wilderness. Something about the years, 40 years. But and sure enough, it was one of the most exciting nights of my life. I was emceeing New Kingrich's event at the Cobb Galleria. And it was just an incredible time, an incredible night, an incredible wave election. Uh, a lot of it in in reaction to to Bill Clinton, who went hard left when he first his first two years as president. He then moderated his views quite a bit, actually. You know, the era of big government is over and the end of welfare as we know it. And we actually achieved Newt Gingrich with Clinton as part of it. They, they got us to a balanced budget uh, using congressional budget office numbers. And, and we had great success for the country. And it ended up being fine. Um, then, of course, uh, in 96, I moved to the Fox News Channel. And that's the year that Clinton gets reelected. Uh, and uh, then we get to 2000. And 2000, it's, it's Bush v. Gore. And you talk about an election mess. I mean, 
you know, hanging, swinging, dimpled, pimpled, perforated, you know, chads and and the count goes on until December and the Supreme Court rules. Um, Even to this day, you know, nobody can say with any certainty that 537 votes was what separated uh, George W. Bush from Al Gore. But very contentious time. The Supreme Court gets involved. They use the equal protection argument, which I thought was kind of weak myself, to be honest. But it is what it is. Uh, we needed it. We needed it, uh, somebody to win someplace, somehow. And that's that's how it panned out anyway. So you have that election mess. And sure enough, George W. Bush gets inaugurated. Then 9-11-2001 happens. Now America's in a, on a war footing. The country is in the middle of this, you know, war against terrorism. And 2004 was a tough re-election. I'll never forget that de- election day. The the election, uh, what do you call it, uh, the exit polls came out that showed that John Kerry was going to be the next president of the United States. I remember this radio program. We got a call from Dick Cheney, called, got off a plane, lands, reads the exit polls, called into the show and said, the exit polls had projected that Bush and, and Cheney would lose Florida and they would lose Ohio. Well, they won both those states. The exit polls were wrong and they were wrong by a lot. Um, and, and, you know, so on and so forth. Then in 2008, he got the election of Barack Obama. I didn't think John McCain ran a particularly good campaign. Uh, and it became somewhat inevitable. He was the anointed one. And a lot of, you know, hype in the country and everyone loves Obama, blah, blah, blah. Meanwhile, the guy had no experience. Nobody vetted him. We vetted him and we didn't win that election. But then two years later, what happened? It was the rise of the Tea Party and the Tea Party had a profound impact on on the political landscape in this country. And I felt in 2012 that was a winnable year. I thought that Obama could have been beaten. And after the first debate, I thought Mitt Romney had it. I thought he'd win that race. And then he took his foot off the gas and just just laid down for the next two debates. Wherever that advice came from, it was a disaster. Um, then 2016, we have the election of Donald Trump. Uh, then here we are, 2020, we have Biden putting aside, you know, the FBI putting their thumbs on the scale of both those elections, something we'll get to in a minute. Um, so a lot happens in the country. And there's an ebb and flow to political cycles. And, yeah, I would have preferred Herschel Walker win over the radical Raphael Warnock. Um, I don't blame Herschel. I thought some people are saying he wasn't a good candidate. And one of the things you got to look at, you got to make adjustments. Look at what football teams do. You talk to coaches as they're going into the locker room at halftime, and a sideline reporter will ask a coach, okay, what what do you think of what happened in the first half? Well, we got to make some adjustments on defense. Uh, clearly, uh, we're not stopping the run game. Uh, we've got to do a better job on offense. You know, uh, obviously, we had too many penalties, whatever it happens to be. And they go in the locker room. And they're like, all right, you guys need to make your adjustments. And they come out. Hopefully, they make the adjustments. The team does better in the second half. That's what the plan is anyway. Um, you can make an argument that Republicans in some of these races – could have picked better candidates. I'll, I'll give you one example. And I, and I like Doug Mastriano. Don't get me wrong. And I'm not singling him out. However, there's no doubt that Pennsylvania is a purple state. That's all there is to it. And he ran with no exceptions in light of the Dobbs decision, 
which it turns out that abortion was a much bigger issue on the ballot than anybody had anticipated, including me. But um, anyway, when you make no exceptions for rape or incest of the mother's life, well, the Democratic gubernatorial candidate ended up getting more votes as a first-time candidate, not an incumbent, than any other gubernatorial candidate in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania history since the 1940s. It just it was so out of touch with the people of the state, and that then impacted the entire ticket. He loses by, what, 14 points? Then you needed a whole bunch of ticket you know, switching where people would vote for Shapiro for governor and then go to Dr. Oz. Dr. Oz, you know, he only lost by two and a half, but there's only so much ticket splitting you're going to get in any one race. So, you know, you, you've got to have some better candidates. Tudor Dixon, if you're in the state of Michigan, you, you, you better make exceptions when it comes to abortion or at least send it to the state legislature or put a referendum on the ballot or find a way to get out of it somehow if if you are rigidly pro-life, politically speaking, I'm not talking about the moral aspect of it. So those are things that we can learn from this. But I'll tell you one of the biggest, biggest things Republicans need to take away from uh, what happened yesterday and, and 2022 in general. And number one, you can't forget the victory. The winning of the House is massive. And it's the same amount, it's the same number, uh, it's the same margin that Nancy Pelosi had in the last Congress. And we saw the damage that they could do. Republicans now have charge of the committees. They now have the power of the purse. They now have the power to subpoena. We're not going to get real investigations into the Bidens. And it will be an investigation into Joe Biden and influence peddling. And I believe the evidence now is growing every day and it will be overwhelming and it will be incontrovertible. We'll also have an investigation into the FBI, especially into their influence in the last two elections. And I'll get into that in a little bit, too. But I think that, you know, until Republicans and I don't know why this is the case. It's not the case in Florida. In Florida, look, Florida's had its election problems. They had problems in 2000. They had to fix those problems. Uh, and they they did. They went with another system. They they fixed the problems in 2016. And now they're at the point where they can count seven and a half million votes in a couple of hours. You know the winner and there's integrity in the system. And Republicans in Florida are not reluctant. They're not resisting voting by mail. They're not resisting voting early in Florida. And they've, they have checks and balances. They have signature uh, verification. They have voter ID that must be included in even mail-in ballots. So the system has integrity to it, and the Republicans there are using the system. But if you look at a lot of these other states, you know, before, for example, Fetterman even debated Oz, there were over, I think, about 700,000 votes that had already been, had been cast in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. I don't think one vote should be cast until, unless and until they have all the debates finished. And, you know, the same thing in a lot of these other states. My system would be simple. It would be make Election Day a national holiday, have voter ID, signature verification, have paper ballots, have partisan observers watch the voting in every precinct all day. And then when the polls close, they watch the vote counting all night. That's simple. But we don't have that system. That's the system we wish we had. That's the system we can have if we elect Republican governors and Republican state legislators and they 
they buy into the simpler system. I think that's the, the fairest of them all. I think that's the one with the most integrity in it. But until that happens, we have to work with the system that we have, not the one that we wish we had. You can't start Election Day. I knew going into Election Day yesterday because I'd been looking online, looking at the early voting, doing an analysis after analysis, talking to all my friends in Georgia, and the consensus was that Herschel started out yesterday anywhere between 200 and 225,000 votes behind Raphael Warnock. Now, in the general election, it was 250,000 or 260,000 he was down, and yet he won Election Day voting by 230,000. The problem is that number is too big a number to assume that you're going to get your voters out, especially if it's a rainy day or there's a call for rain, and win. So what, what my, my admonition to the Republicans, and what do I know? I'm not even a registered Republican. I'm a, I'm a registered conservative. Is whatever the Democrats are doing with early voting, whatever they're doing, you need to at least match what they're doing, preferably do it better than they're doing, and you better accept the fact that this resistance and this reluctance not to go along with the system you're stuck with is not working well for you. You have to accept that and pick the best candidates that you believe can win in the respective states that you're running in. Some states that are purple are not going to accept a gubernatorial candidate that's going to have a say on an issue as important as abortion that says there's going to be no uh, exceptions for rape, incest, and the mother's life. I'm talking politically here. I'm not morally here. Understand the difference. So, you know, you have, if you're down hundreds of thousands of votes on election day, and Republicans continue to resist the system that exists, not the one you wish existed, you're going to continue to pay a price. I'm not that bummed out by this. I am happy Republicans have the House. And I think from this point, Republicans, if they make these adjustments, they'll do fine. But they got to understand what they're dealing with. And to, up to this point, they've not accepted that reality, or at least too many people have not accepted that reality. Look at what they're doing in Florida. Look at what they're doing in other states that are running successful elections and follow what those Republicans are doing. They're not resisting early voting. They're not resisting voting by mail. And you definitely need voter ID and signature verification. And then hopefully you elect state legislatures and governors that will put in a better voting system, one with more integrity, so you have full confidence in the results. Uh, but, you know, not playing on the same ball field, that's not going to work.